Hello, I'm Riverside County Sheriff Chad Bianco, and welcome to another episode of the RSO Roundup. We have a good show today, and we're going to try and keep it under the required time, so I'm just going to jump right into it. We are happy today to have Chaplain Suet with us from the Paris Station, and we're going to talk about the chaplain's program in our department and what they are, who they are, what they do, and how they benefit not only uh, the public that we serve, but also the department. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So like everything else, when someone comes on the show, uh, we always start, you know, we're uh, part of the sheriff's department, the sheriff's department and the breaking down those barriers of we're just regular people. And so every time we start with a portion of the department with what we do, we always start with who's doing it. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I'm a father of two. Uh, I've been married for 35 years. It's coming June. Um, getting better every year. Love my wife more with each day. Um, I'm waiting for grandchildren. Haven't happened. They haven't produced that yet. So that's always a running joke in our family. But um, I have a son and a daughter. And in that process, uh, about 25 years ago, I started uh, as a tip volunteer. And going to these scenes, you know, obviously we're coming when the havoc's already been created and we're trying there to help the families. But I was always noticing the deputies. Who was there for them? They had to see this stuff. And as a tip volunteer, we were always told, you get in and you get out. You know, don't leave any mark. Just give them the tools to get back in control. But I'm going, how do these deputies do that? And then that's when Chaplain Hoosier, uh, he was my first chaplain. He was mine too. Ah, well, you're my fourth sheriff, by the way, <laughs> in this whole uh, – so I've been – in 2002, I started as a chaplain. So this is my 20th year in doing it. Um, started out at Canyon Lake with uh, Captain Kessel. Um, so that was interesting when we had a sergeant, a corporal, and a deputy at the beginning, and that slowly whittled down over time. But, um, but yeah, I've really been enjoying being a, being a chaplain. Outstanding. So when we – the Sheriff's Department has always had a, a chaplain's program. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal opinion is it, uh, it, it certainly – wasn't as big as what I hoped, and uh, one of my missions when I took over was to to make it more of a robust program, uh, not only just having one at each station, but trying to get multiple people mm-hmm. at each station mm-hmm. uh, because of the work that you do, because of mm-hmm. how you help us and uh, how you engage the community and the department members and everything else. Uh, it was it was a little bit overwhelming for some, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, this isn't a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm very happy that we've been able to expand. Um, we've, uh, we have our academy. I, I just uh, swore in, I think there were seven new chaplains nice. uh, the other day, yesterday. Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're excited to have them start. And um, this, it's, I don't know if a lot of people know that we even have this um, option available to people or, I mean, inside the department, we know that uh, we have chaplains at our station, but it's it's something that we need because of the things that we deal with, the things that we mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. and how we are helping people. I mean, we are going out to in crisis, sometimes times mm-hmm. of crisis. And a lot of times uh, that that deputy enforcement part of it is not what someone needs to see or needs to hear. Mm-hmm. And so we um, we utilize our chaplains program a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the nice segue. Because of what officers smell, taste, touch, and hear, how that affects them. Uh, 
I had a neck injury for those a number of years that I couldn't patrol. But five years ago, I've been going at least once to twice a week. And I was involved in an incident. Uh, I tell the deputies three things when I'm in the car. A, I'm not a deputy. Okay, I'm a chaplain. However, because of PC-150 and uh, Good Samaritan, whatever you ask me to do, I'm not afraid to do. And third is what's said in the car stays in the car. Well, there was an incident that we had that I had to get involved in. And uh, it really rocked my world in a good sense. So after that, I just said, you know, I need to understand a little bit more about what it takes to be a deputy. Yeah. And so I went through a self-sponsored uh, Modular 3 Academy in 2019, and I really got to see what it takes to become an officer and how they're trained, what's the mindset. Um, but every instructor that came into these courses, when they found out I was a chaplain, inevitably told me their story. Mm-hmm. Some of them still shake. Some mm-hmm. of them still have nightmares. Some of them are going, uh, I mean, they could bring it right back up. And I'm going, how can I help these men and women? Yeah. Because that's what I see as the role as the chaplain. Yeah, it's, um, and, and it's twofold. We certainly need that. And that's the, the overall benefit is the time that you spend in the stations and mm-hmm. people are getting to know you and know right. who you are and comfortable with you because that, that's, a, that's a big part of it. Uh, one of the issues of, of law enforcement is that mental health aspect of mm-hmm. how do you deal with the trauma that we see day in and day mm-hmm. out and how do you deal with that? And I think over time, uh, over past, uh, we have, you know, everyone has heard the stories of self-medication. Uh, you turn to alcohol or you turn to later on drugs or something like that to to forget what mm-hmm. you're dealing with and, 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 try and try and somehow manage that. Mm-hmm. And I think that we all know, or I certainly know that uh, when you say something out loud, it makes it a lot easier and better than when you try and mm-hmm. work it out in your head. And so having someone that you can talk with about that uh, is very important. So what made you get involved? What made you want to do this? What made you, what brought you to this right today? That very thing. I saw how society was changing. I saw law, I've always been pro-law enforcement. When I was growing up, we had a motorcycle gang across the street. I was raised by a single mom, uh, how she did it back in the 60s, four boys on her own. But we'd have officers that come sit at our house She'd bring them coffee, no donuts, but she'd bring them coffee and because they were basically letting this motorcycle gang know that there was a presence here. That really impressed me, that they would come and do that. And eventually, that motorcycle gang left. They tore down the house, built apartments. So I see what law enforcement officers are going through then when I saw the suicide rates, the divorce rates, the coping mechanisms, the drugs of choice that they go to that end up actually making the situation worse. It doesn't heal the brain. Right. Um, I'm going, I need to do something about this. And that's when I started researching so I could develop a program that I can help them out with to give them those tools. And it's amazing. There's times I can, in 10 minutes, I can help someone get their, just using the freedom process. So with it, with, through, through our chaplain's program, chaplain's program what, what, are, um, what do you need to get into that? What are the requirements of getting into the program? You need to have a desire um, to sign up. Uh, you don't have to have a pastor background. Um, mine was Hoosier said, uh, do you want to work with law enforcement? I said, yes, because I was a pastor at the time. And he said, you just need to sign up. And he took me to the training. And then they'll take you through a background. Uh, uh, you'll have to fill out a form. And then you'll go through a 40-hour chaplain's academy. Very good. So um, 
how many do you do you know off the top of your head? Unfortunately, I do not. Do you know how many we have? No, we because of what you're doing. I have no idea. Yes, I think we only had a few. Yes, when I took over, and um, and, and at one point in in my career, there were a lot. I think that I think every station had at least one or a couple, mm-hmm. but they slowly dwindled off. And so now um, we have been adding so many. I, I've lost track, and I don't know yeah, how many it is, but our stations have multiple. I think it's a great idea, and it should actually ideally be nice if there was one for every um, patrol watch. Because, like, when I go, I, I'm with that. That's the beauty of being a, uh, a chaplain with the sheriff's department is you can go on a ride along every time, which means you get to 8 to 10 hours with that deputy. I was talking with some firefighter chaplains, and they don't get that. You know, they go into their station, they go to the room, but they don't get to go out on the call. So it's a great opportunity to get to know the deputies on a one-on-one basis. Yeah. You mentioned that you were a pastor when you mm-hmm. when you um, talked with Pastor Huger and uh, Chaplain Huger, and then you um, that's how he got you into this. And you said that you, you don't have to have that background. But um, our chaplains, they're not, it's not about a religion, one religion. Correct. It can be any, because we have a number of faiths within our department. We have those that they call themselves atheists, okay? Then you've got those that are Jewish people. You've got Muslims. You've got Protestants. You've got Catholics. So, like, I even had to ask when I would go to a, uh, an unattended death, and it was a Roman Catholic family, I'd ask a priest, okay, is, are we still doing uh, the last rites prayer, or is there another prayer? I wanted to be able to minister to that family. So you have to know how to minister to different faiths. Um, plus, it's their patrol car. It's their office. So you have to, you're entering their world. And so if there's a door open for them to want to talk about spiritual things, okay. If they're talking politics that day or they're not talking anything, you have to feed off of. So you have to be careful not to come on an agenda, I'm going to force this on them. To me, it's all about developing that relationship so when they need to talk, they can come to you because you do have privileged communication. And so with that, some may come from a religious background, but to get that, they have to have that penitent confession in their bylaws. Because if they don't, they don't have privileged communication. And so that to me is like when I finished my academy, someone said, are you going to become sworn? And I started to go through the process as a reserve. And I had a sergeant and a deputy ask me, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He says, you realize if you become sworn, you lose privileged communication. I'm going, that's what I bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So that's when I stopped. It was a little pride because I had the Ben Clark patches and I wanted the Riverside County patches on. So I was like, wait a second, this is just not what I should be doing. So I stopped because of that. That privileged communication is important that they can come to you and talk when they need to talk. Right. And it isn't always on your timetable. Yeah. Um, we did a lot in this department to make um, mental health care, um, psychological care, and counseling available to all our deputies and their families. Mm-hmm. And that's something new that we did. Uh, it was It's unbelievably needed. Um, we You hear across the country mm-hmm. of law enforcement suicides, mm-hmm. really the number one cause of death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we certainly don't want that here. And we certainly um, utilize you all uh, in that role. And the reason I think that the reason why I, I like it so much and I like what we're doing with the chaplain program is you have to be comfortable with someone. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to just open up to someone that you mm-hmm. don't know or that you're that you you're not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So with that, I mean, that whole relationship, the things that they're telling you, whether mm-hmm. it's our employees or whether it's people that are that you may be we may be bringing you out to a scene to help someone that's that's going through a crisis mm-hmm. that is that's there's a confidentially a confidential portion to that right i created a program though that takes that a step further 
Um, it's called how to, the process to maintain a healthy professional and personal life. Because first aid is a whole lot cheaper than surgery. And with that, the program was designed because research has said if we can identify, they call it PTSI. I'm leery of that term because it's, a, it's really a brain injury. It's a sensory brain injury. And there's a spec scan now that shows that. There's a difference between a traumatic event and a sensory. It's the little things that start adding up. And if we can give our deputies, our officers, our coroners, our dispatch, because I've talked to dispatchers in this, I've done this training five times now. I've had dispatchers there. I think coroners need to see it because what they, they see death all the time. And sometimes it's really gross. Mm -hmm. Okay. But with it is, I'll just give a statistic out of Paris station. We had 10,000 700 critical, what could be critical incidences out of the county and the city, okay? From 242s to 245s, most of them are uh, uh, the uh, 1050, um, I'm forgetting the term now, the psychological ones when we deal with people. 5150s. 5150s, okay? Those little nicks that come along. See, in the, in the academy we were trained, this is how you handle it. You suck it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I did not know there were so many kinds of push-ups in my life until I went through the academy. It was amazing. But I got to the point was, okay, just one more, just one more to get through it. But that's what you have to do. Right. I remember one time I was asked, what is a 10-1? And I'm thinking, there's no penal code 10-1 in my brain. Duh. 10-1 is a code. And it's like, but she walks away and then I go, God, I knew that. And, she, you know, of course I got chewed out, okay, because you're supposed to remain calm. And I came with a phrase. We're teaching deputies to stay focused and fix it, okay? But these little nicks can create that fight or flight, mm -hmm. okay? So what does that do to the brain? And so on a daily basis, are we helping our officers to debrief because they're saying uh, small departments between 180, 160 to 188 critical incidences over a 20-year career. And I tell that to people, I go, well, you haven't been to Paris or Moval. <laughs> it's a little bit more <laughs> than that. It's a little bit more than that. Yeah. But it depends on how that officer comes into the department, what their worldview is, what their education is, what their environment was. Uh, so what may bother some may not bother another. But in our world, we ask a deputy how he's doing, fine. Right. That's the only acceptable That's answer. That's the only acceptable answer. Why? Because we have to go to the next call, to the next call. Even in the incident that I was in, I said, I got to do what a deputy does. Now, I had a huge adrenaline dump before I went back out again, but I went back out on patrol that night. Why? Because the deputies have to do, okay? Well, you do that for 12 hours a day. And, and those 10,000 calls out of Paris weren't just the 911 calls, the alarm calls, the what we would call the, uh, why did I really get called out to this scene yeah. kind of thing? Um, but they're major, could be major to them. So how do they deal with that? We tend to wait till it becomes an open gaping wound versus giving them the tools. That's why I came yeah. up with the first aid, freedom for the freedom process first aid is you can use it in a few minutes. You can use it to debrief on your way home. I had why or I had significant others come in. So they would know how to talk because talk only takes you so far. You have to be able to come like in conclusion when we go out on patrol Okay, you're gathering all this information, you're talking, but you have to now make a decision. You have to get in control of the situation. It's the same way with what goes on in your brain. Yeah. Um, and so what we call it becomes important because in our profession, we know that if we call, well, you've got PTSI, well, you might take your gun away, which means your job is gone. Exactly. So There's a lot of fear 
uh, yes. and which is which really has led to that self-medicating, keep it quiet, deal with it. You're supposed to be stronger than that. And then in order to deal with it, you end up self-medicating. Exactly. And there's other forms, too. We talk about sex with the wrong person. We talk about losing friends because they don't agree with you. As uh, Gil Martin talks about in his book, The BS Factor, The Cynicism. Well, you're wrong. You're wrong. Um, the couch potato, you come home and don't want to make a decision now because you've been making them all day long. Um, but are we giving then our deputies, our uh, frontline officers, the skills how to make that transition home? Are we helping their spouses be able to do the exact same thing? Um, because by law, spouses and chaplains have privileged communication. Right. So it's two safe places for them to talk about what went on. Um, but giving them the tools. See, it's interesting that, in my opinion anyway, there's a reason why we call it a basic academy. You can't teach them everything about law enforcement in the academy. That's right. It's very basic. And it's, we make that very clear to them yes. too. Because you, and you do, because you know, you're looking over two, three years, you're still learning the job. So there's a place for this kind of training. It's not during the academy. It's, there's other places, I believe. We could talk about that in the day if that's what you want. But it's needed to help these, de- especially we got deputies coming in that don't have the same worldview that we grew up in. Right. It's a different world. It is. Not only is it a different world, it's like I always tell people in the, in the 60s, it was question authority. Now it's I'm the authority. So they're looking at that badge going, you're the authority? Sorry, sir, that ain't happening. I'm the authority. Well, excuse me, that's not reality. Yeah. But the reality is that's what we face. But if that person coming in as a deputy doesn't have those skills because they may not have grew up with those skills. Um, we can give them to them. And that was going to be something they have to learn. It's something they have to learn. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of health and safety and fitness and everything else. And, uh, you know, keeping our bodies healthy and our minds healthy. Uh, but you know, we also, we also need soul care. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think that that's our, our chaplain's program is a, is a great place for our employees, uh, to completely round out what they're doing mm-hmm. in order to be that healthy person to go out right. and help someone. And when you're, when you're engaged in the activities that we're engaged in and seeing the things that we're seeing, that's difficult at sometimes. So it's, uh, b- having someone that, you know, you can, you know, when you can't go in and tell your sergeant that something's bothering you, you mentioned it earlier about, um, you know, you can't have, you know, I don't want to call it head noise, but you right. can't experience something mm-hmm. uh, that that's bothering you where you're going to have to be off work because we can't have that. Right. And so, um, and and a lot of times it's it's not that extensive or extreme. Right. But in your head, you think it is. Yes. So the ability to go speak with someone you can't talk to your sergeant and have it be confidential mm-hmm. we you covered that we, i mean we there's nothing confidential about my job i every, everything that comes in is the potential of going out yep. and uh so it's good that we can come talk with you like that and uh and 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 overcome those things and the same when we take you out to a scene where we may have to be dealing with a family member or mm-hmm. a, just a member of the public where right. they are they can be secure that they're not cop, they're not talking to a deputy now mm-hmm. they're, they're they're talking to someone else that can speak with them and and that is going to remain confidential see I, I, that's what I always tell my deputies in um, in briefing because many of them believe I'm there for the public really I'm there for them but I'm assisting them with the public so like in an unattended. I can take the family and get them uh, what they need, what their next step is, what their next decision is, so that the law enforcement officer can stick to their job. So they don't have to have this constant going back and forth. And plus, I know how to talk to a deputy. It gives me that ability to do that. 
so I can talk to the family and help them. So it's a great way. Very nice. Um, so you you kind of mentioned you know you're you're in a car you're mm-hmm. riding along. Um, do you get involved other than when you know you you obviously have to get involved in cases if we're taking you out there and saying go over there and talk to them and either see what's happening or see what they need or mm-hmm. how I, can we help? Like that's why I always say that with every new deputy, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but you have to be the one instigating it. Yeah. Um, if I need to talk to someone, I had to learn the hard way about what to say and not to say in a car when you have, when it's 10, 15, because they think I'm an officer. And if I haven't, if they have not been Mirandized yet, I have to be very careful about what I talk about there because mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm a chaplain. I can talk and get some stuff, you know, just talking with them. And I had a sergeant say, you got to be careful of that because how do they perceive you? Because I'm in this, I'm not in the same, I don't know how many times I was out on a call one time and it said chaplain directly across it. And the guy's, oh, so you're the captain. I go, no, I'm not the captain. I'm yeah, the chaplain. Or, the, or that's your last name. Exactly. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, you're a deputy. I can talk to you. So that there's ways we also train the, the chaplains how to act in the car, how to talk at a scene, what not to do at a scene. Um, I was at one, it was a four, five, nine, and we don't follow the depth. Now I've always been trained, stay with your deputy, don't lose them. But when they go in the house and clear it, I'm not going in, Right. but I'm staying on a corner so I can see if anyone's approaching and you know, I can get on the, Hey, call the call. There's someone coming behind you. So you might want to get out here so I can protect their back as well at times. Um, but I'm not going into the house. So you learn over time where to go, what not to go. Cause sometimes deputies don't don't know themselves. And so I have to train the deputies. Um, no, remember, you're the deputy here. Yeah, this is what you do. So, so we've, and, and with that, we've mentioned a c- couple of times the, the different words or, you know, chaplain and pastor. Right. Tell me the difference between the two. Oh. I get asked that. Chaplain has to, a pastor can minister to his flock, but they're already of a similar belief. Okay, so you're going to help them along that line, whatever your religious belief is, whatever your faith is. So you can challenge them in their thinking in that with your flock. But I am here to, as a servant to the deputy or to the sergeant or to the corporal or to the CSOs, whoever there that wants to talk. Um, I have to realize I don't have that same privilege that I have here. I really have to earn the ability for them to talk. And be able to talk about a wide range of things. Um, I can initiate a lot of stuff as a shepherd. Now, even though I tell my deputies, you're the sheepdogs, I'm your shepherd. I had someone when I graduated, they gave me a knife that said the shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. And they engraved that on my knife. So I'm going, okay. They've accepted me in. So we can talk about a wide range of things. You have to be careful when and where you talk about things. Is the biggest difference to me between a pastor because um, I have to ask them, can I pray for you? Some don't want it. I said, okay, no problem. If they're my flock, hey, I'm praying for you. Right. They don't have a say because I'm going to pray for them. But they've already given me that permission to do that. So there's certain things that I can do in my congregation. You know, if I see something in their life, I can call it out. Why? Because I want them to do the same thing with me. Because as a pastor, I'm not the head dog. But as a group of people, we're walking in my faith towards Jesus together. So they have a right to talk and say, you know, Chris, I'm seeing some things in your life. There's, that, there's a difference here. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job because I don't know your job. I don't know all the ins and outs. It was funny. Uh, we've had some new uh, field trainees in the 
lieutenant goes, gosh, you've got more field training than they do. Yeah, but I haven't had the training they've had. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I only went through a fourth of it. They went through all of it. So the difference there is how you approach people, how you talk to people. You really have to earn. Uh, Oftentimes as pastor, it's, it's a given that you have that authority or that ability to talk. Chaplain is entirely earned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. The, you, I mean, the situations that you are in, you are you or we as the department, because we're being called out there, we're imposing ourselves on them. Mm-hmm. Whether it's our authority is right. of 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 securing them, interviewing them, whether they're suspects, whatever the case may be, but to almost the same extent. We're imposing you on their right. lives, also. Right. So it's a it is something different that you have to be more cognizant of. Right. Trying to how how are you going to reach them or how can you help mm-hmm. them? Because right off of the bat, you're really not sure. Right. Because we walk, especially with an unattended, I really got to read the situation, what's going on. Because if they're of a different faith, I have to think of their faith, not mine, not what I would do with someone at my congregation. Why? Because I'm I'm acting on behalf of you when I'm there. So am I representing you properly? It's the same thing with the deputies. Yeah, they're part of, I call them my sheepdogs because that's what they're out there doing, and I'm the shepherd that's got to look after them. But I have to be, be very careful. Yeah. And be for when they're ready. And believe me, when they're ready, they talk. For sure. And, you know, I, I, I just remember way back, I mean, I, I was a deputy, and I, it, it probably it had to have only been a few years because my, my son was very young, and... Um, I remember going to an unattended death of a SIDS death mm. and the, the baby, you know, as I, as I'm looking at him, I mean, it was, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed little baby, the same age as my blonde haired, blue eyed son and who happened to be having medical issues. And even though I had been to them before, I'd been to an, to child deaths right. before that one. That one was different. That one yep. I saw different yep. and I felt different. And while I was there with the family, I didn't have a chaplain with me at the time. It would have been great, but I had to be that person and right. I had to do that. But leaving for me, I just had to leave and go sit in my car and think about what I just saw. And that could mm-hmm. have been mine. And yep. it, I was, uh, I remember it, it was, you know, we just, we just jump in our cars and we go to the next call. Yep. And I remember I didn't just jump in my car and go to the next call. It, it took me a while to clear that one and, and gather my thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I wish I would have had someone to talk about or to talk to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish you would have been sitting in the car there so I could have said, this is bad. This, yep. this is affecting me something different. Yep. Because in our world, we have to just go, no matter what it is right. that we see, when it ends – we get back in our car and we look down and there's we're assigned something else. Correct. And so we have to forget that and jump right into the right. next one. We have to forget it, but we don't forget it at the same time. And that's where I was t- in the, the training that I give as I talk about your worldview. What may not bother you will bother me. I was on a uh, 415 uh, domestic and the woman was the same size. My, my dad beat my mom. So I'm seeing my dad in this guy and I'm seeing my mom here. And my heart started racing. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. I'm going, what in the world is going on with me? It wasn't until later. Deputy handled it flawlessly. It went exactly. I did ask a few more questions to make, just to make sure she was safe, that we weren't sending her back in. But it's the same thing, is what may affect you may not. The SIDS, this one could be, it could be an elderly person, and they've right. got an elderly parent they're taking care of. Absolutely. So the, every situation like that can be different. And it's just not that. It's some of the things that we see beyond death. 
Yeah. And it's those little nicks that start adding up because you might be able to process it, may not. The question is whether you have the tools to do that. Not every deputy does. It is what we're training the academy. Next call, next right. call. Um, it, you know, talking about this, this it, it's taking me back to really why I wanted to do this podcast. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast in the beginning is to be um, very, very open with the public about who we are, what we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're, we talk about, you know, your life before and where you are now and um, the, the things that we interact with while we're out on the job. And, and I think what people uh, what some people, not all, but mm-hmm. what they what they tend to not realize is that I'm just a dad yeah. and a husband yep. and a son, and yep. uh, we're just regular people like everybody else. We just happen to wear a uniform, but that doesn't make us bulletproof or shield right. us from right. the things, the crazy things that we see. Right. And um, we do need soul care, and um, I think that a a completely healthy deputy. Going to the next call for service is a much more capable deputy of solving yes. that problem than than someone that's experiencing some type of an issue mm-hmm. that uh, that you may be more in tune to noticing right. than what our, what me as his partner or her partner right. would be, and. Um, it's. I'm glad we're doing this. I'm glad we're we're adding to our chaplain program. Uh, how do you get involved? How do you if you if someone out there listening or watching, um, how do they get involved? They can either email or call uh, Chaplain Muzizi's office, and he will get back with them and start the process. It really is that simple. Uh, for yes, it, and Chaplain Mazizi, we have a department chaplain. Sorry, I forgot and to yeah, that, yes. and he is uh, he is our overall department chaplain, and then mm-hmm. we have uh, people like yourself that that go out and mm-hmm. they're and they're doing that. Uh, but for anyone that's listening, they can go to they can go online riversidesheriff.org and uh, click on the community tab, the volunteer forces tab, and then you can click on the chaplain's corps, correct, and you, that will give you the information on how to get yes. in there. And we we are. We are always accepting more volunteers into our program. Females we abso- as well. Absolutely. We need females as well as male chaplains. Absolutely. Uh, the, for me, the, uh, our chaplain corps is invaluable to the success of our mission. Uh, it goes along in line with our volunteers. And, uh, you know, volunteering, not only is it a necessary function of the sheriff's department that we can't function without volunteers, but it's a, it's a good function for yourself. It's, it's mm-hmm. good for you to volunteer your time to help. And it's a, that's a, that's a good emotional and a, and a soul, uh, searching mm-hmm. experience in itself. So we are, we would more than welcome anyone if you're interested and, um, just make sure you click on those links and find us. We will see you in the next Chaplain's Academy. We'd love to have you. Very nice. So for everyone out there, we will see you next time on the RSO Roundup.